Welcome to the Jig Is Up podcast with your hosts, Darcy and Jason. The Jig Is Up is recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, as well as the lands of Treaty 6 Nations. We aim to bring you new perspectives and open up conversations about Métis politics, culture, and current events, as well as stories that affect Indigenous from all over. If you like the show, or you don't, or if you want to send us suggestions for guests or topics to discuss on the show, feel free to email us at metispodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on all of the social media at Métis Podcast. All right, welcome back to The Jig Is Up. Uh, and today I have a guest with me, Joseph. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Joseph. Yeah, my name is Joseph Jackard. I'm the president of L'Association des Acadiens Métis Souriquois. We're based in Nova Scotia, southwestern Nova Scotia, actually. And I've been president in this stretch for the last... This will be my fourth year in a row. This will be my last year uh, as president because uh, in our constitution, it states that the president has to have two years uh, serving as a director on the board. And uh, the president's term is a two-year term, renewable once. So okay. my four years, I have one more, one more year left, <laughs> and then we'll pass the torch on. <laughs> Well, that's uh, definitely a certain de- uh, contrast to uh, other organizations. So, do you guys did you guys do that on purpose? Was that something that your membership very wanted from the beginning, or it's something that that we put in our constitution when we first incorporated, yeah, uh, as a as a society kind of thing, as an association. Uh, it has served us very well, actually. Our founding president, Paul Tufts, served the first four years. Uh, and then I served. Then I served four years as president. Then Paul Tufts again served two years, and now this is, again is my fourth year. Okay, uh, a stretch again. So somebody okay. else will take the torch next year. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And what? Uh, and from your association, I, I mean, I don't want to get to too many specifics or you know, you know, oh, break any ahead. privacy laws <laughs> or anything, but um. Roughly, how large is your organization right now? We have uh, eighteen hundred and forty-five, I believe. Wow! Uh, proud Cajun Métis members. That's not bad, you know. That's but, actually pretty uh, good. Yeah, that's impressive. It's it's plus or minus a couple because we have a genealogy committee. We do a lot of stuff by committees. Okay. You know? So we have a genealogy committee takes care of that. I don't even look at it, <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. We've got other things to do. Yeah, but uh, we do stuff by committee. So a lot of our board meetings, I'm asking for uh, the financial report. You know, our treasurer will give the financial report, and the genealogy committee, another committee gives their report. The office committee gives their report. You know what I mean? This yeah. kind of stuff. It gets everybody involved. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Well, and it makes it more of a community uh, feeling of of an organization, right? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, last year we were 10, 10 members on the board, and uh, we picked up a few. We're now 13 oh, wow. uh, board members, which is kind of large. And uh, so the onus is on me at board meetings to uh, keep, the, keep the topics going, you know, next <laughs> on the agenda, next on the agenda. Yeah, that's right. Keep <laughs> everything flowing. Yeah, keep things flowing. Otherwise, that things can go around and round and round in, in circles and you never get anything done. Yeah. But uh, so 
so I, I've learned, you know, I mean, this kind of stuff, how to cut off people, and <laughs> and you guys, you guys take that after the meeting. You discuss that between you two. Next on the agenda, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So how did how did your organization come to be? Like, what um, what what kind of prompted it to to come into being? It had to do with. Actually, there was a, a lawyer that used to work for INAC and, uh, in Ottawa, and she came to, she was originally from here. She's an Acadian Métis. And she said, after Pauli kind of thing, she said, probably the, the group that fits Pauli the most in Canada would be the Acadians. Wow. Those Acadians of mixed heritage, yeah. Micmac. French ancestry. Yeah. And uh, that's how, that's how I was decided to, to put this together. Okay. Now, uh, now I want to get into, like, I know there's a lot of negativity about Eastern Métis. Um, when you say Acadian Métis, like, obviously you guys have, you know, you, you said you have a genealogy committee and stuff like that. Obviously you guys feel that you have proven um, lines to, to, you know, mixed blood people. Um what do you say to a lot of the, I guess, negativity that's out there that you guys are just trying to steal things and, and you're just fake and uh, you're new, you you never existed before? <laughs> <laughs> well, the the proof is in the historical documents, you know, and we have historians that, that are doing the work now and they're piling the, this up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's an awful lot of historical proof to it, right from Louis Riel acknowledging our existence, you know, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, and genealogy wise, I, I did mine, you know, and you do the whole family fan there, I call it, I don't know, and uh, <laughs> seven, 17 instances of Micmac blood coming in, yeah. you know, and not just one, I, I don't just go to one, you know, Micmac ancestor, there's 17 instances right. know, coming in, yeah. and, and Métis, marrying Métis, marrying Métis, marrying Métis, etc. my God. <laughs> no, I have. We, I well, we have members that that have as much, if not more, uh, Micmac blood than some people that live on reserve. You know, with full status. Yeah. You know, and and the reserve people, I'll tell you, uh, status people, the Micmac from around here, they have everything to gain from our friendship. Yeah. You know, they have. They should not fear us whatsoever. You know, all we want is is friendship from them, and and that's it's an actually, inter- that's an interesting point. And maybe how just to kind of elaborate on that, how how is the relationship between yourselves and the Micmac in the area? Well, there are there are different bands around here. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have very much of a relationship with the Acadia Band Council uh, locally in Yarmouth, uh, Nova Scotia. Okay. Uh, we we've met with them. They were more interested in financials, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. we wanted to share culture and language, you know. Their their language has many French words that come from the Acadian in the Micmac language, and the Acadians in the Acadian language have many Micmac words. Yeah, you know, Shabog, uh, Shigogan, you know, uh, all there's all kinds. There is a, a band in uh, in Digby County in Bear River. Yeah, the Bear River band uh, work very much closer with them because they're more culture based. Okay, you know, yeah, not so monetary. 
mm. that kind of stuff. And, and we have a much better relationship with, with them. And, and this is what we want to share with them is culture. Yeah. You know, we even have it in our constitution, basically, that we shall to the Mi'kmaq, we shall do no harm. Really? You know, no, yes. <laughs> so that's that's in your constitution of your organization. So <laughs> which I, I find is an, is a stark contrast to all of the news media that says all you guys are trying to do is, you know, out, out east is cause harm to the First Nations. So that's no interesting. Way. No way. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to be extremely respectful, you know, uh, of theirs. And we, we don't want to take anything away from them. We shall not do that. Yeah. If we have something to gain, fine, but it will not be to their detriment. Well, and I think that's a wonderful way to, to, to do things. And obviously, uh, when, when the news media and stuff is talking to people from the East coast, they're obviously not looking at, you know, your guys' goals and missions and stuff like that for your organization. Um, yeah, because it, it is there on your website as well. Everything is there on our website, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, we adhere to our constitution verbatim, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, you know. So, what has been some of the? I guess uh, obviously, you guys are working together, um, you know, culturally. What has been some of the? I guess uh, has there been any kind of moments or, or events that kind of stand out for you over the last couple of years where, you know, you really came together with Micmac and, and work together on things like that or. Uh, really? No, not a whole lot. Uh, not with the Micmac themselves. Yeah. Uh, we do get invited to, to bear river, uh, for their, you know, sweat lodge and, and that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, otherwise than that, no, uh, there, of course there is a movement to be kind of like against us, you know what I mean? That yes. Sometimes if you you talk to a Micmac chief on one-on-one, everything is fine. But when he gets to together with the other chiefs, all of a sudden he's not say, towing the same line. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you guys are still so, facing quite a bit of struggle to, to uh, gain acceptance even locally out there as, as well as, you know, nationally, I guess. Yeah, that's correct. You know, and having uh, Clemar Cartier come down to Nova Scotia and sign an MOU with the Micmac, you know, doesn't help anything. Certainly not. You know. Yeah. And right. Right from when I first heard it, I thought to myself, these Micmacs, they just they just signed a, an MOU with the devil himself. You know. Well, I've always thought that was interesting because I know that they talk about working together with the Micmac while they try to take away or, or work over top of all the first nations in their what they claim is their territory. So it, it's very interesting that they did that. Um, they certainly don't do that out West. They don't go to first nations and sign, uh, agreements with, to work with together with them. So that's very interesting. They did that. Yeah. You know, and it's like every, every time we have an AGM, our AGM, the first thing I do is acknowledge that, we are on unceded Mi'kmaq territory, you know, and we occupy this land by the Mi'kmaq's good graces. Yeah. Well, and that's kind you of know. been the history of Acadia, hasn't has it not? I mean, it's always absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So what what else is there about um like your organization? I know obviously right now we're in COVID lockdown, but um, typically um you guys plan a, a fair number of events throughout the summer months or. Yeah, we do. We actually uh, 
this year we got a grant for $1,100 for, from uh, Heritage Canada, and we're going to be uh, Aboriginal Day celebrations. So I don't know how that's going to turn out with this pandemic stuff, but anyhow. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to see what's going on. Yeah. That, that's just one, one of them that we do quite well. Uh, we also, we just had our AGM in March here, and we do up that kind of nicely also. We usually get just under 100 people at our AGM. Okay. And uh, every year I get told not, I give the president's report, and I get told to make it shorter and make it shorter. <laughs> <laughs> One year I spoke for an hour and a half and then take questions for 45 minutes. Makes for a lengthy afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. But anyhow, so what? Um, like I know, and and uh, we're gonna kind of, I guess, go into the some of the negativity that surrounds the the Eastern Métis, um, you know, within the media and stuff like that. Like, because uh, I find what what happens is it's kind of like when you were talking about the, you know, you talk to a chief one on one. It's different. I find out here in the West when I talk to Métis people, um. And I've been very vocal about this during the last, you know, round of elections we had out here for the organizations. Every a lot of people were asking, when are we going to finally, you know, invite the Eastern family back to the table? And there was really no answer given. Um, and so I find that interesting that as as organizations, it's this fight against including, you know, two hundred, three hundred years more of history, um, of you know, Métis history. But when you're one on one with Métis, they're they're very open. To the idea, so I guess some of the negativity. How do you guys communicate that with? Like, how does your community feel when they read these articles? And you know, how does how do your members respond to some of this negativity about you know you guys? Listen, they they pretty well just ignore it. You know, yeah. Uh, you don't respond. We don't. Res- we see a lot of stuff on social media, and, and you just don't respond to the negative stuff. You know. Yeah, because uh, you're just getting into a, a, an argument with very ignorant people. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't get you anything but but pissed off. You know. Yeah, yeah, it is an exercise in frustration for sure. Um, very much so. So have along that lines with with all these so called researchers decrying the they've proven that there no Métis exist. Has anybody ever actually come to your community, to your organization, and sat down and asked to, you know, look at your genealogical stuff, or you know, any of these researchers that they claim that they've researched all the Métis on the East, and then none of them are Métis? Has anybody ever come to you with that? There, there's been tons, tons of research actually done on the Acadian. Yeah, uh, one of them was a, I think, a royal commission report kind of thing okay and they they were uh, uh they were they did a study and they only studied literature between i forget exactly the years but it was when uh, like 1740 to 1780 or something like that when it, when it was under under british rule around here you know, oh. the scope was so limited, you know what I mean? And, and never came to any kind of conclusion. And they never talked to anybody. Really? You know, just studying literature, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, in the past, we've had uh, 
oh, what's his name? Patrick. He was the president of CAP, Congress of Aboriginal People. Oh, okay. Uh, he came down, you know what I mean? But that never came to, came to anything. Yeah. Uh, we, we've been studied, prodded, you know what I mean? But a couple of years ago, we've had a, we had a meeting with uh, with INAC. Uh, three people from INAC came and met with us, and nothing ever came of it. You know, really? we gave them all kinds of you know documents and proofs and all this stuff, and they go back to Ottawa. Oh no, we they didn't give us nothing. You know what I mean? Wow. They they, they deny, you know, and basically what they came down to is going to take a major court case. Right. You know. Well, yeah. we're trying to, to try and avoid, you know, multi-million dollar court cases <laughs> yeah. you know, to, to get recognition. But the way that the federal government is talking, they'd rather negotiate than legislate, you know, or or take take fight us in court, you know. Okay, yeah. fine. But they won't they won't talk to us. Yeah. You know, sometimes I applied last year for uh what's it called now court challenges program oh okay well you know but it cannot be for anything that has to do with aboriginals okay so oh okay so so i applied well the federal government this is federal federal government doesn't see us as aboriginals wow but yet we were turned down because we're aboriginal (laughs) (laughs) we're caught in a cash 22 you know (laughs) Well, that that is a very interesting uh, perspective. You're you're too Aboriginal to get a to get into that program, and you're you're not Aboriginal enough to get recognized. So that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's crazy. You know, they use it to to their advantage. You know, they, they twist words around and things like that. Anyhow. Well, well, I get the general sense from the federal government um, that it's it's a way to minimize financial responsibility. Is that kind of how you guys feel as well, or? Well, I don't know. That that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. You know, right now we're we're not asking for money. You know yeah. what I mean? Just give us recognition. You know what what we need. What we, you know, tell. We already know who we are. You know. Yeah. So I guess in a perfect world, let's say uh, they recognized. Um, you know, let's say they even recognized just your association. Um, what? I guess what would be your goal beyond that? So if you if you get recognized as you know, as as indigenous people, um, what would be, I guess what would be the ultimate goal from that? Would it be um, just that recognition yeah. and acceptance, or? Good question. Our goals actually. People think that that our goals are hunting and fishing, you know. Yeah. But, but they're not. You know, everything's already to a max here. You know, hunting's to a max. There's enough hunting pressure. You know, it's being well managed now. You can't suddenly give all these people open rights to to year-round hunting. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Or fishing. Fishing, is, you know, the pressure on on the fishing industry is at a max already. Right. Our our goals are actually number one would be for healthcare. Okay. You know, to, for our members. You know, to, to get the prescription drugs, their elders to, to get their glasses, their false teeth. Hearing aids are like three, 4,000, I hear. You know, I have a neighbor who's wearing hearing aids from somebody, a friend of his who passed away, you know, because he wow. can't afford his hearing aids. There's something wrong there. My son is a pharmacist, and it just it brings him just about to tears when, 
when a woman walks in with a child and there's an she has prescriptions for two puffers. Well, one, let's say, is 10 bucks and the other one is $100. And he knows that puffers are for the little girl, for the child. Yeah. And she only gets the one that's $10. Wow. You know, we, we need help with, with health care. Yeah. Especially for, for our elders. They're not getting the medications because they can't afford them, you know. Uh, and, and glasses and new glasses and false teeth. And oh, my goodness, we, we could use that help. That's goal number one. Goal number two is post-secondary education. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my son is a pharmacist after seven years of university. I- incredible how much it costs. Oh, Just yeah. incredible. We, we, could, we could certainly use some help there to get our, our young people into universities and, and community colleges. And then when, they, when they're done, they come back to serve us. You know, to serve us in our native language, Acadian, Acadian language. There's nothing I like more than going through, going to Tim Hortons and ordering my, my coffee in Acadian French, you know, because I knew, I recognized that the lady of being Acadian. You well, know, that's serving. amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, I go to certain places, I talk French to them, you know. It's wonderful. I, I love it, you know. But we need more of that to come back as, as policemen and firemen and Yep. You know, pharmacists and doctors and nurses and that kind of stuff. And Absolutely. that's one of the one of the reasons why our association gives out five hundred dollar bursaries to uh, student members of our association. Yeah. You know, uh, as of as of last year, we've given out ten thousand dollars in bursaries. Wow. You know, no small accomplishment, believe me. Well, and and you're doing that without um, government funding, without um, you know, inspire no, funding no. or anything like that, correct? Nope, we're doing it all our, on our own. You wow. know, and it came to a point a few years ago that our membership got so large that we were actually almost like victims of our own successes. You know, because we're all volunteers. Yeah, and we're all working from home. Yeah, you know, and so we got a, got ourselves an office in Comoville, and we have an office secretary. Wow, you know, and I'll tell you, since we've since we had an office and a secretary, the job of president has been a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because because board of directors was doing everything. You know what I mean? This yeah. kind of stuff. So now we have. But still, we, we are volunteering, and sometimes I, I do get calls at work, you know what I mean, on my cell phone, and it's like, I have to, well, you take the call, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, then, but now most of the stuff goes to our office, and, and we have a, a wonderful office secretary, Claire. Uh, she's She was retired. She was a secretary at University of Saint-Anne, you know, so yeah, she's, she's just wonderful. Well, it's amazing to hear that you've done all this stuff, um, like I said, without, you know, major government funding or anything like that. So have how does the, I guess, moving from federal, how does the provincial government see, um, I guess, what's their attitude towards your organization? And um, are they a little more open to it or? Uh, probably a little less open to it. Oh, really? Than the federal government. Yeah. Basically, they'll say, we'll follow whatever the federal government directs. You know, for for the for the Métis in this province. Wow! Because because it's a federal 
jurisdiction, you know what I mean? This kind of stuff, the Métis, yeah. so. Anyhow. Wow. Um, so <laughs> I guess, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, the Métis, the, the term wasn't used until this year and, you know, until people were at Red River. Were you, like, I guess, fill us in a little bit. Were Was the term Métis or, or a version of that used um, historically in your, in your, you know, in Acadia and in, in that area? Historically, it was mostly Saint Mele, which means mixed blood. Okay. You know, that, that was used. But some use the term Métis. Yeah. You know, once in a while, you know, I've seen uh, the first Métis to be baptized was uh, a Jesuit priest, I believe. And I forget the year. It was way back, 16-something. Uh, he wrote, today I baptized a Métis child. You know what I mean? So oh, historically, wow. yes, every now and then it was. But mostly Saint-Mele, which is the definition of Métis. So they use the definition of meaning mixed blood. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that was historically used. I mean, Métis was just used a, a term com- at a convenience to be a little more accurate than half breed or you know that kind of thing. So, oh yeah, we Bob Brule, we've been called all kinds of things. <laughs> Actually, as as of lately, uh, with social media, we. <laughs> You've even been called uh, dirty land pirates. <laughs> oh wow! There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, I like that one. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, and I think it's really sad. I mean, you know, you have a an organization like yourselves that are trying to actually do things for your community, um, and that's your focus, it seems. And yet, you gotta kind of fight through this 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 war of east versus west. Um, that I think is honestly just an imaginary made-up line. <laughs> that That's all it is. And if you look at the Métis National Council's map there, every time I look at it, it's changed. You know what I mean? Now they don't even have Sault Ste. Marie in there. Yeah. And it's like, what would they do around here? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, then, can, uh, I can talk endlessly about the ridiculousness of that map, but... <laughs> Because there's a lot of yeah. Blackfoot in uh, in Alberta that are not impressed with that map either. So, yeah, I can believe it. But that kind of stuff, I kind of leave it to the, the Métis Federation of Canada to, to be dealing with with that. Yeah, you know, we'll handle the local stuff. You know. Yeah, for sure. Now, you guys, are... you guys joined with them, uh, or or kind of partnered with the Métis Federation of Canada. What was, uh, I guess, what was your reasoning behind that, and what what did you feel like you gained from that? That happened about oh, seven, eight years ago, actually. Uh, when, when I took president of uh, the first time, and I realized that it was time to get out of our own little quaint little corner here, you know, yeah. and, and look onto the national scene. Yeah. And I found that the Métis Federation of Canada, they were just starting up kind of thing. They were maybe a year old. Uh, and actually went to visit them, hmm. you know, just to, just to check them out. So I went to, to see uh, Robert Pino, you know, and yeah. uh, and met some super duper nice people. And we was just there like on a fact finding mission. And, and who do I meet there but uh, Pierrette Laura and Serge from Manawaki. Oh, okay. You know? and, and they signed. They yes. signed a treaty with the MFC. Yeah. You know? And the next morning we had breakfast. We all had breakfast, a whole bunch of us at, at a restaurant. And I sat directly across from Pierrette on purpose. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And I asked her, why, what convinced you to sign with them? And she said, this is the first group that we've ever talked to that they don't want our money. They're not asking for money. Yeah. Really? Okay. <laughs> I, and she was absolutely right. Yeah. You know, so a couple of months later, and I still owe her breakfast. She paid for my breakfast, by the way. <laughs> but I like that. I owe Piara my breakfast, you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's yeah. official now. It's going to be on the air now, so it's official. Yeah. So a couple of months after that, uh, we decided, okay, let's get on board. So Piara with the MFC. So so Piara was the first one to sign up with the MFC, and uh, we were number two to sign a, a treaty of peace, friendship, and cooperation. Wow. with them and uh we've never looked back since then you know yeah it really put us put us on the national scene kind of thing mm-hmm. not that we're very vocal you know what i mean or very much involved but we see everything now you know yeah. what i mean we, we see what's happening you know and when it came to uh, daniel's case you know with uh chris devlin being intervener you know Nobody heard about us, but we were certainly there. At least our money was there. Yeah. We were a major, major financial supporter behind that. Wow. You know, I can still remember signing checks for $5,000 at a time, you know. Oh, yeah. Having uh, Chris Devlin's law firm, it wasn't cheap. You know, it was worth every penny. Well, that's just it. Those uh, Supreme Court cases are not cheap, but but definitely that was... Money well spent, I think. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I was so proud to, to see Nova Scotia mentioned in the decision, and they mentioned La Have. You know, what I mean, uh, it was, and I know it has everything to do with with uh, what Chris Devlin did in those proceedings. You know, what I mean, otherwise, yeah. that you you just don't see that usually in Supreme Court decisions. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's interesting, it too, because La Have seems to be in quite a few, like, I think it's in the Royal Commission of Aboriginal People, even. Um, and yet they claim be. that there's no Métis in the East, and yet they claim that that's a traditional Métis community. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, just on that one example, it seems kind of weird to me. It's a historic Métis community. It, there, I don't believe there's any Métis there left now living there kind of thing oh wow there, there's a metis cemetery there's an old fort which is now a museum that kind of stuff yeah but uh if there are i don't know of any that metis that would be living right there in la have yeah right now but it you is know? it is recognized like i've seen it you know not only in the daniels decision but it, i'm sure it was the royal commission um it, could but be. it's just yeah. interesting that that it gets mentioned quite a bit, and yet everybody, and then still people are saying, "Well, there's no Métis in the East." So I don't, I don't know. It seems yeah. to be one of those weird. There is and there isn't. Kind of like you're Aboriginal enough for this, but not enough for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're stuck in a, in a cash twenty two there. Yeah, you know. But anyhow, so so I was on Aboriginal Day seven or eight years ago. I went to to Oshawa and and. Signed a, a treaty with the MFC, uh, Robert Pilon, uh, Sebastian Mallet was there, you know, I met Louise yeah. Vien, you know, just all great people. Carol Dumont, you know, all, they were all great people. You know, I came back and reported to, to the board, the board of directors, you know what I mean? And yeah. I told them, 
these people have their hearts in the right place. Right on. Which is which is what I was looking for. You know, I didn't care if they had money. I didn't care if they, <laughs> you know what I mean? Was yeah. their heart in the right place? And the answer was yes. You know? Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're all good, you know. And uh, I met Louise Vien. Uh, she was making a, a sash by hand, you know. Wow. And I was absolutely amazed. Yeah. You know, and I told her my name. My name is Joseph Jackard. And she stopped and she looked at me. She goes, do you realize that the looms that sashes are made on are called jacquard looms? I said, yes, I do. And she had the whole history of, of the sashes. You know what I mean? Wow. Basically, people from out west now acknowledge that the sashes actually came from Quebec. Yes. But she knew that the sashes came to Quebec from Nova Scotia, deported Acadians. <laughs> the Acadians brought the know-how how to make sashes by hand from France to Nova Scotia, deported, somewhere deported to Quebec. You know what I mean? The governor of Quebec didn't know what to do with all these women with nothing to do. So he put them to work making sashes, mm -hmm. you know, and from there, the sashes went west with the fur trade. Yeah. So where did the, the sashes originate from? <laughs> the Acadians. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's one of the, the interesting things too, about a lot of the, the iconography of the Red River Métis is that a lot of that stuff might've been changed in Red River slightly, but uh, like the cart and stuff, but a lot of it stems from, from the East and, and, you know, um, kind of. Absolutely. It all comes from here. You know, when I talked to, I talked to some guys from, 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 the West from Alberta. Uh, I talked to a bunch of them actually at the Daniel Symposium that the Congress of Aboriginal People put on oh, okay. in, in Ottawa. Yeah, uh, I was there, and they were talking about their, their history, their earlier history, and you know, I mean this kind of stuff. And they were only going back two hundred years. Yeah. Well, no wonder you can find all the documentation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, your ancestors and stuff. You're only two hundred years old. Yeah. We're four hundred years. <laughs> You know, we're 400 years old. Big difference. Plus, we went through uh, a deportation. You know. Oh yeah. Not to mention, not to mention three scalping proclamations. You know. Yeah. Where it's claimed that almost as many Acadians were scalped as Micmacs were scalped. Right. In this province, they, this, the Micmacs population came down to 1,500. You know. Wow. You know, they, there was a bounty on on the scalps. There was a lot of money back then for, for a scalp. They, you know, hardly any difference in a Micmac scalp from an Acadian Métis scalp. Yeah. You know, and it's even, even there's documentation where uh, the gentleman who was actually paying the scalps, paying the bounty on the scalps, he told his, his helper or his employee, yeah, go ahead and pay him while I turn my back because he knew they weren't Micmac scalps. They were Acadian. Wow. Well, I think that's the kind of the thing that always disappoints me is uh, you've had, you know, like you said, another two, 200, over 200 years of history, um, but it <laughs> it's not been a flowery, wonderful history. It's been a history of, you know, colonization and, and trying to eliminate you, um, just as it's happened everywhere on this on this continent. 
Um, and so Oops. I find it, I find that argument of, well, you guys, you guys don't have the documentation from your history that we do. And, and I agree with you. It's like, well, yeah, but you only have the last 200 years. Whereas, you know, <laughs> a lot of the churches were burned. They were, you know, a lot of things were lost when, during the deportation and all these other kinds of things. So it's, I, I always Correct. kind of find it kind of sad that people look at it like, well, you don't have it. So it's gone. You, you, yeah, you don't have it, so he's gone. So you, no, you're not it. You know what I mean? No, we yeah. know who we are. We know who our bloodlines are. You know, we know where we're from, and we know where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, but there are people digging stuff stuff up. You wouldn't believe it. You know, but there's always new science. There's DNA. You know, that's mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, we have members. You know, from from Louisiana. We have some in the United States. We have members in every province in Canada yeah. from my association. You know what I mean? There's Acadians are spread out everywhere. It's absolutely amazing. Our, our, our community, because of deportation, it is so spread out, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we couldn't just have members just from, just from Southwestern Nova Scotia, you know? Yeah. And that's how, one of the reasons why we went signing a, a treaty with the MFC. You know, we had to go more national. Yeah, you know? for sure. But but the MFC takes care of things on the national scene. We just hold our own here, you know? Yeah. This kind of stuff. Plus, we're also, uh, my association, AMS, we're also a part of the alliance of Nova Scotia Métis. Oh, okay. Okay, so, yeah, so we signed a treaty. There's L'Association des Acadiens Métis which is us. And uh, Brador Lakes Métis, Métis Nation, Eastern Shore Métis, and Highlands Métis. Okay. Uh, Highlands. So it covers the whole province. Yeah. You know what I mean? From one end to the other. Highlands are in Cape Breton around Shetty Camp, you know? Yeah. And we're in southwestern Nova Scotia. And we try and make a point of it to meet at least once a year at a halfway point kind of thing. And it's wonderful. And I'm in daily contact with these people, you know, uh, via messenger. Wow. So when it comes to that kind of an uh, organizations coming together like that within the province, do they all hold kind of similar values as to what their goals are as well? Like it's not, like you said, it's not about hunting and fishing. It's about culture and language and community and, and, you know, taking care of people within that community. Is that kind of the general census Amongst those organizations, absolutely, absolutely, okay. uh, th- there's no doubt about it. They, they see it very much the same way. Although, see, on at my end of the province, there's there's no moose around here. Yeah, you know, there might might be three <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, very rare. <laughs> you know, while at the other end in uh, in Cape Breton, there's all kinds of moose. Right. So their focus is, you know. I do know the focus is more on moose hunting, that kind of stuff. There is some hunting okay. goals there kind yeah. of thing. But I know that conservation is their number one priority. Right. You know, they don't want to take every moose, yeah. you know, this kind of stuff. And they, they also don't want to take anything away from the Micmac. Okay. Yeah, no, so that, we're very that's, much... that's definitely good to hear. I really appreciate you you know, sharing that with us. It's, um, it's these kinds of things that we don't hear out out West. You know what I mean? 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like the media out here, um, if I was to go, if I didn't know what I knew and I just was looking at media, not even social media, just media like APTN and things like that, the general census of uh, what we're hearing out here is everybody that claims to be Métis in the East is simply looking for a free ride. They're looking, they want to be tax-free. They want to be, they want to hunt everything that they can possibly hunt and fish everything they can possibly fish. And they just want to trample over top of everybody else's rights. And, and you know, yeah. I, I know that's not true, but if you were just, um, I guess if you were <laughs> less educated about Eastern Métis, um, why would you doubt this? I mean, it's on APTN. It's, it's on, you know, news articles. I Right. You know, so and, and it's really and, good to hear what you're saying. Yeah, unfortunately, there are unsavory types around here that will push that agenda also. You know, uh, we have a university professor from St. Mary's University in Nova Scotia here. Yeah. You know, my goodness. God, he wrote a book. He got a research grant and, and things like that and wrote a book about us and never contacted one Métis organization or one Métis in the province. <laughs> But he wrote a book about you. But he wrote a book about us. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm very much for the movement that says nothing about us without us, you know. Yeah. Don't write anything about us without talking to us. <laughs> you know, you would think that would be the first thing you did if you're going to write a book about somebody. It would seem to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, but anyway. And of course, that there are other Métis organizations, smaller ones, that that uh, push their own agendas, you know what I mean? This kind mm -hmm. of stuff. But they're not part of this alliance, you know. Uh, anyhow, there, there are some, There are. I've met uh, some people from, from Quebec, you know what I mean? Some groups are very much on the same page as us, while there's others that certainly questionable. Their, their motives are very questionable, you know. So it doesn't matter how many there's always going to be some rotten apples in there you mm. know but just you don't want the rotten ones to infest the good ones you know absolutely and i i think that's the thing that's missed is you know yes there's always going to be no matter where you are there's always going to be somebody trying to to gain game a system or or has their own agenda um but well, i think the the sad thing is is that everybody in the east you know, and even Ontario now, most of Ontario Métis now are getting painted this way, where they're all, yep. they're all, they're all like that. Everybody's like that. And it's like, no, that's like a small, small portion of people. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, and, that, that small minority is getting most of the press time because it, it makes, you know, for more interesting stories. That's what people want to hear, you know? Absolutely. It's the, the bad stuff. Yeah. Well, it creates it creates the clicks and the, the 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 views on the internet that that media need, right? And so they need to create controversy, right? Um, and this is an uh, this is a real easy one. I always I always look at it like they always kind of fall back on this one because it's so easy for them to fall back on and just create a story out of this for, you know, that they in case they need something. <laughs> right on. Um, they, and, and some of them actually set up interviews. I've turned down interviews with media, national media organizations, because I could tell it was going to be a setup. Yeah. You know, they'll ask me for, for an interview, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm there. Who else is going to be an interview? Oh, this guy's going to be interviewed. Somebody from the MNC is going to be interviewed. This 
this lousy professor from St. Mary's University is going to be there. Uh, no, thanks. Yeah. You know, yeah. no. Well, why would All you waste you your time, is, right? Yeah. All you want to do is try and create controversy, you know what I mean? This kind of stuff. And, and to have a university professor that, that employs no ethics whatsoever, you know. Yeah. I have no interest in, in, in speaking with this gentleman or being part of an interview with him. Well, you know, so I, I people have asked us that too about having certain people on the show, and I've just said, what's the point? Like they, they don't. Uh, there's nothing that they would add of value, even though they might have a PhD. They they don't know these communities. They don't like why why would I even talk to them? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So yeah. Talking of PhDs, it's like I remember. Uh, first time I, I met uh, Sebastian Mallet, you know? Yeah. Holy moly. This this guy's got it together. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I'm I'm he, definitely a big fan of Sebastian and, and uh, you know, his books and his co-authors. Because um, they, yeah. they, they seem very intelligent in how they go about finding and researching and, and putting this information together. And uh, yeah. I, I'm a big, huge fan, so... Yeah, same here. They they certainly they do their due diligence, you know. Yeah. And and you can use their books as reference books, you know. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, I mean, I know that other people try to take little snippets from their books and stuff and and turn it into something awful, but the truth is is if you look at the the totality of the information they're sharing, like there isn't I don't know how they're you know, you can't really go through and, and say, oh, they're making this up or they're lying about this because it's it's all referenced to things. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. So <laughs> I was find that wrong. interesting. Yeah. So but what you, you take you take people like uh like the M you know, the leadership of the MNC, you know, talking badly about Nova Scotia Metis groups when they've never even contacted us. Yeah. You know, they don't know. Yeah. You know, obviously they haven't even looked at our website, you know, and, and what we try and put out on, on social media uh, is all positive stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the way that to handle these naysayers and, and, and people will call us names like, uh, yeah, dirty land pirates, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It, to come back with them, you put, put the good stuff out. You know what I mean? This kind of stuff. We used to have, our association used to have a Facebook page, but it got polluted with all kinds of negative, nasty stuff. We just, yeah. uh, we archived it. We don't need it. Yeah. You know, but we do have a, we do carry a blog on our website, yep. you know, and, and, and we put all kinds of interesting stuff on there and people just love it, you know, and we're on Instagram and Twitter and probably some LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and, I, and I think you're right. I think that is a great way to to approach, um, you know, counteracting the negativity is just just staying positive. Like just ignore what they're ignore saying it. and just do your thing. And you know, yeah. time will tell. Correct. You know, eventually, some some of these people eventually we have a saying around here. Uh, just give them more rope. Just keep giving them. Let them take all the rope they want. Yeah. Eventually, they'll hang themselves with it. Absolutely. You know, yeah. There you go. The truth will, will prevail. It will come out. You well, know, unfortunately, and... it doesn't make news. <laughs> you know, the good stuff. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, and I, I think right now, I think we're I, like, I'd like to think we're seeing that a little bit where a lot of these, uh, you know, the Métis Nation conglomerate of organizations is, is I, I would like to say they're pretty much falling apart at this point. Um, because even they can't determine who is and who's not Métis within themselves. And, um, you know, it's very, there's a lot of issues there. I don't want to go into them, but I just, I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to, because I've had a few people now contact me and just say, you know, I thought these guys, you know, knew what they were talking about, but they're now saying that communities that were Métis are not Métis. They're like, I don't, how do you trust what they say? So I think the more that they falter, I think more people will recognize that the things they've been saying have been pretty hypocritical and, and not fact-based so much, you know, about Eastern Métis. Absolutely. The, the truth will come out. The truth will prevail. Yeah. And it will win, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're the ones with the, the millions of dollars, and we're the ones on very low budgets, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. So um, so how is your, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask, just because we're going through this whole COVID thing, is how has your community been and your, your members been as far as, you know, this pandemic, um, have they, you know, have there been, I guess, issues or, or are they handling it fairly well? Or are you guys able to help anybody or anything like that right now? I would say people are handling it quite well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not certainly the pandemic is just not as thick around here as Ontario or Toronto, let's say, Yeah. you know what I mean? But everybody's probably keeping their distance. They're trying. At least I see a lot of people trying, right you know, on. but there are. I work in, in the lobster fishing industry. I'm a lobster buyer. And the lobster fishermen are still fishing. They're still going out fishing. It's a food service industry. Yeah. It, you can't stop the food. Yeah. Right. So even if this pandemic out west is still going on in this summer, the farmers are going to have to plant. Yes. It, it's food. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and so maybe there's no danger in planting and harvesting you know, the fields because of social, you know, there is social, by its very nature, social distancing exists there. Yes. But somewhere down the line, that, those grains are going to have to go into factories and made into cereals. And, you know what I mean? So you got yeah. factory workers, you know what I mean? This kind of stuff. Absolutely. So you, you can't stop the food industry. It has to, has to go on. Yeah. Yeah, I know no, it's it's tough. I think there's a lot of people that still have to work, but because I mean, you, otherwise, you I mean, you, you you just have to. I mean, like the truck drivers, and then basically anybody in a supply chain role is is kind of critical right now. So, right. So, uh, for for lobsters around here, uh, fishing is still going on, although at a reduced pace and a reduced price. Yeah, uh, a lot of our lobsters get shipped to the United States. Okay. So we can still ship, but you can't ship if there's nobody there to receive it. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you ship 45,000 pounds of lobsters in a truck, okay? Yeah. And if there's nobody at the plant in Boston working, <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody's got to take it off the truck. They're going to be sorted. They're going to be, you know what I mean? For Just sure. Kinda, and ship, and th- then they keep going from there, you know? Absolutely. So I, I was talking to the owner of a shipping company, a trucking company down here, and where they were sending two 18-wheelers per day to Boston to 
and with stops in Maine, New Hampshire, Boston, all over yeah. down to Cape Cod, full of lobsters. Okay, and they're down instead of two a day, they're down to one a week. Oh wow! And, and last week they canceled. <laughs> oh geez. Yeah, no, you know, it's 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 tough. It's gonna be, and it sounds like it's gonna be a lot longer than what people were expecting. So. Right. So there are also uh, communities in, in Nova Scotia where their lobster season is closed right now, but it's due to open the 1st of May. Yeah. You know, and they have like a very short season, uh, two months, May and June. Right. And, and that's their income, the bulk of their income for the year. Wow. You know, and, and it's like if they don't open, I don't, God help us what's going to happen there. And uh, obviously, you guys were not um, contacted by the federal government for any of the relief money that they've, as an organization, you're not getting any money from the, the federal government for to deal with this, are you? No, nothing at all. Yeah. No. Wow. See, I, and I think that's than... a that's a shame, too. Like, it's such a stark contrast. Like, um, you know, here in the prairies, three of the provinces are getting like seven and a half million dollars. Right. Um, like it's just it, it's amazing that clearly you guys you know you're not recognized by the government because you're not getting anything. So it's it's yeah. pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Yeah, it is. Because oh, like well. you said, you still got elders that you need to make sure are safe and take care of them. And um, Fair. absolutely, you know, I, I at home I have my 87 year old mother. You know what I mean? Yeah. She she's quite spry, believe me. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, but I do have to be careful. I just don't want to bring this home, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You well, know, is there anything else that you kind of want to share? Because we're, we're coming close to an hour and I, I, uh, I just want to make sure right. we got out any messages that you wanted to, to kind of let people know about your organization or, or just Eastern Métis in general. Is there anything that we didn't say? I don't think so. I think I pretty well covered it. Okay. I, I just like to repeat that the, the Micmac have, Absolutely nothing to fear from us. They have everything to gain from our friendship. While the Métis National Council has everything to fear from us. <laughs> That's a lovely way to put that. I love that. Um, well, I want to thank you for so much for being on the show. And, uh, you know, I hope we can maybe have you back on once we're through this, all this COVID stuff, maybe a little, a few months from now, maybe after summer or something, just have you on and, and we'll see where we're sure at thing. again. And, but I definitely I would love to have you that. back. I can't believe it's already been an hour. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, I know. I love talking, I love talking about this stuff. So. <laughs> well, that's just it. When it comes to Métis stuff, I end up having uh, hours and hours of conversations, so I have to cut myself yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. But I do appreciate your time. Thank okay. you so much. Hey, no problem, Darcy. All right, you have Call yourself. Me you bet. Have a good day. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I want to thank Joseph again for being on the show. Um, it was a great conversation. Um, I, I we could have talked for a long time, I think, but I just I think what their messages was was amazing. I think the the way that they they approach their organization from a community standpoint uh, to work for the community and for the community members that they have is is such a stark contrast to a lot of the organizations that we have here in the West. Um, where it seems to be let's fight against our members at every chance that we can let's do what's best for the organization and you know the members can just kind of come along for the ride 
in my opinion, that's what it seems like. So I, I just really appreciate them coming on. Um, they, they are on Instagram. Um, and if you, uh, you know, you can look them up on, on the internet. You can, you know, Google search for AAMS, um, Métis, and it'll be probably the first thing that comes up. Uh, but check out their website. It's definitely, I'll put the link in the description of the show. They have, you know, a blog post. They have news and views. They have communications. Um, if you want to learn more about their organization, you certainly can there. It has all their, you know, their goals, their missions, their their vision, um, the bursaries that they hand out, uh, things like that. So it even has a place to explain the logo of the organization. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy uh, to have had him on. And uh, I hope people start to see Eastern Métis in a different light. I mean, there's always going to be one or two bad apples, but um, but like he said, you know, there's a lot of good people out there that are working to just make things a little bit easier and better for, for you know, the, the Métis out there. So I appreciate him being on, and I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Until next time, the jig is up. <laughs>